Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you will find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to the State of the Economy podcast. I am Nivedita Varadarajan. People are at the core of economic activities. Either you are the customer or you are part of the workforce. Keeping this in mind, we are focusing on labor issues in this new theme that we have got for this podcast, the State of Economy. We will be focusing on issues that are integral to the labor in the series. We will be talking about labor trends and we'll also explore rights of workers who are in the gig economy. Thank you so much for joining me in this series. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Ms. Valli Arunachalam, who is the daughter of the late M.V. Murugappan, who is the patriarch of the uh, Murugappa group founded in Chennai. So before we talk to our guest, I would like to introduce the topic of today's conversation. It is about the lack of women in the workspace today. India, as we know, is a growing economy. But the amount of women working is very low. Women are underrepresented in the workforce with an estimated 670 million women being left behind. That's a huge number, 670 million. India's female participation rate in the economy dropped from a peak of 31% in 2000 to 23% in 2021. This disparity is noticeable in every single aspect of the economy, especially in corporate jobs, where a woman faces a plethora of issues, from lower pay to casual sexism and to being overlooked when it comes to promotions and given responsibilities. How can these issues be addressed? I have with me Vali Arnachalam, who is fighting for these rights of women and she's fighting for her own right to get membership in the board. Thank you so much for joining me today, Vali. It is indeed a pleasure, Nivedita. Before going into the issues at hand, I would like for the listeners to know a little bit about you. Yes, so uh, I am a normal scientist. <laughs> uh, I have, a, just to give you a little background, I have a master's in nuclear physics from uh, the University of Madras and a doctorate in nuclear engineering from Texas A&M University. Uh, I've got about 25 years experience in the semiconductor industry. I've worked with Fortune 500 companies such as Motorola, Texas Instruments, Advanced Micro Devices in um, areas spanning R&D, strategic planning, manufacturing and um, CapEx management. I was part of a team that was instrumental in setting up a state-of-the-art semiconductor fab in New York and transferring technology to fabrication plants across the world in Europe and Asia. Uh, And currently, I provide technical due due diligence and advisory uh, services for mergers and acquisitions and also for high technology equipment and product manufacturing companies. So how did you move from becoming a scientist to a woman's rights activist? Yeah, that uh, right from my childhood, you know, because of my interest in in physics and the career paths that I chose, I found myself always working in male-dominated fields. Example, nuclear engineering, nothing could be more male-dominated than that. And then when I moved on to uh, applying some of my PhD level research work uh, in the semiconductor industry, there too, I found, you know, because I uh, was in R&D, there were very few women researchers. 
you know i have been through a lot of struggles personally to rise up the ranks it was it was not easy but through my struggles i was able to appreciate that you know how struggles build build character and uh, but at the same time i did not want the women who followed in the younger generations to face the same impediments that i faced i i want them to face different impediments but not the kind of impediments that i faced just to move from one level to the other um so that's how uh, it is through my experiences and my passion for science and technology and to make it the path easier for women after me that uh, powered me on this journey to uh, empower women and girls uh, and the other thing is about education uh, i am extremely extremely uh, indebted uh, to my parents uh, for a good education it has opened up so many doors for me i want to be able to use my experience and my education to open doors for others while you are on this topic you are the uh, leading from the front when it comes to fighting for women's rights can you tell me a little bit about your fight against the murugappa group yeah i'll i'll just give a little background um, yeah. on it you know for the past few years i've been fighting against patriarchy and gender discrimination in um, the group my ask is not only for a board seat in the holding company of the murugappa group but in a more broader context for equal rights of daughters in the mm-hmm. family business you know for over half a century my father was at the helm of affairs at many of the uh, murugappa group companies and after my father's passing in 2017 i along with my sister and mother we approached the family and we asked them to honor his last wishes which was to settle our family's stake in the business at fair value and for over 3 years they lured us into thinking that they would settle only to backtrack but we were very consistent in our efforts to resolve the matter amicably and we in fact we proposed many ways to do so including through mediation but the family just summarily rejected all our proposals i then requested for a board seat in the holding company because ours was the only female only branch and we had no visibility into the business at all the family nominated me and thereafter they unanimously rejected my appointment to the board so they would neither settle us at fair value neither would they admit us into the business mm-hmm. so having exhausted all the options that's when we uh, took the legal route and we filed for oppression and mismanagement case in nclt and that's where the matter is it is the matter is subjudice so i won't be able to talk about it but um what i want to highlight here is that my fight against gender discrimination it's made me realize how important it is to stand up for your rights so i would like to understand yeah. what are some of your ta- big takeaways about why there is such gender disparity in india in in the world but more so in india yeah i i i like the the fact that you started with why um because a lot of times people ask okay how do we solve this problem mm-hmm. but i think you you hit a core when you said you know why why do we have 
we need to understand the why first, right? I mean, there are plenty of qualified and capable men and women, 1.4 billion and growing. And you yourself said there is a staggering number, some 650 odd million women uh, who are out of the workforce, right? Yeah. And and another interesting statistic is that 65% of the Indian population is under the age of 35. Okay, so this is extremely, you know, youthful population, which is roughly 50% women, 50% men. So if we tap into this reservoir of human talent, labor, with a gender-neutral mindset and tools, Hmm. We can accelerate not only economic change, but also strengthen the fabric of Indian society. Because better educated girls and women, that translates to better family welfare, both from an economic and social standpoint. Hmm. It's a win-win situation, not just for the Indian economy, but for the society that backs it. So... That's why India's economic engine must be powered equally by both men and women. You know, but there are many barriers to tapping into the potential of women and girls. And for far too long, because of outdated patriarchal beliefs, uh, we have not adequately nurtured, grown and provided equal opportunity for women and girls. Hmm. And these patriarchal beliefs have pervaded all rungs of Indian society and Indian business. And I think that is what timies the growth of women um, and prevents them from contributing in a meaningful way to the economy. So how do we tackle this patriarchal society then? In the society as well as in the corporate world? Because if we tackle it, we can't tackle it only in the corporate world without tackling it in the society. Societal beliefs have been around for centuries, right? Mm. Like they say, Rome was not built in a day, right? So you cannot change societal beliefs, you know, that have um, been in existence for hundreds of years instantly. Uh, it, It will take concerted effort, but it can be done. You know, there, there are lots of examples out there where people have fought, but, you know, it's important to, Um, build a movement and be committed to that movement and eventually you will succeed and that's part of my effort is in empowering women and girls I know it is not going to be easy but we have to join forces create a movement if we want to achieve gender parity how can we do it of course in society it has to begin at home I think, um, you know, the, the millennials and the Gen Zs, because of their exposure to the world, because it is a more level playing field with all, all the information that is available to to our uh, younger generation, they they are more broad minded and um, they, they are assimilating um, ideas from different cultures. So I think that that should certainly help. Um, from a societal point of view and and also the uh, access to education has improved and that should help as well with um, mitigating the negative effects of patriarchy. From the point of view of um, corporate India, it must 
be driven with wholehearted and sustained commitment from the highest levels of whether it be government education corporate leadership because they should believe that gender parity is a game changer for economic uh, for indian economy and the society and only with that realization and commitment can and top down leadership change can there be changes that trickle through all levels of the organization uh, you know talent has to be nurtured it has to be grown and it has to be tapped in a gender neutral uh, manner government educational institutions corporate leadership um, you know all of them the, the leadership has to believe in the cause that gender parity is a game changer for the indian economy and the society and capability and credentials and not gender should be the cornerstones of opportunity now the third question is it's important to understand what can gender parity do for the indian economy and society the indian economy would be accelerated and the growth would be more balanced and sustainable because men and women br- bring unique perspectives to the table and we we need that yin and yang to be wholesome and sustainable and uh, to be able to uh, accelerate uh, just doing it in a very uh, one sided way is not a sustainable way of growing so how do we go about that can you tell us from your experience how we can how the corporate world can go about doing this because we see when in the lower hierarchy of these corporates there are a lot of women but when we go higher up the exactly. number of women reduce so how do we fix that problem the at the root cause we we have to understand i'm a scientist right? whenever attacking a problem you have to understand the root causes mm-hmm. and here the root cause is we have to understand the hurdles that women face mm-hmm. um you know there are just far there's just far too many hurdles and they are way too high compared to what men face uh, i can talk about it from my personal experience and also from the experiences of of my um of those who i am encountered uh, throughout my career and these hurdles are not only in the work front but they start at the home front mm-hmm. now in the home front majority of the child care elder care household responsibilities all fall on the women mm-hmm. so unless there unless they are super women or they have adequate help from extended family or they can afford to hire quality help something has to give as you know it's and what what is that that gives the work performance hmm now and to add salt to that wound if a woman takes a career break to handle the situation at home for example for maternity her reentry into the workforce becomes that much more difficult and in the workforce itself there are a lot of plumbing issues the 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 pipeline from entry level to leadership levels is a very leaky one we all we all know that yeah. there are many many types of leak you know leaks such as you know to name a few lack of mentorship lack of training skills and development you know not just the technical training skills but the soft skills mm-hmm. the the ability to speak up for yourself the ability to to uh, give powerful presentations um see all, 
all these soft skills are also part of the development being given equal opportunity you mentioned about the promotions you know promotions should be gender blind yeah. um, and then there's also conscious and conscious biases that stem from these outdated patriarchal mindsets so sensitivity training um so these should all be part and parcel of the corporate culture um and uh, you know at women up tamil nadu an organization that i uh, founded uh, we are working on establishing partnerships with companies in tamil nadu and governmental organizations wherein the leadership is fully committed to changing the status quo that is important mm-hmm. you have to have the buy in of the leadership they should want to dig in deep and that's what we are helping them to do to dig in deep understand root causes and then fix the leaky pipeline so what are some of uh, some of the common leaky pipe scenarios that you find across companies and what are the solutions for it some of the main issues are you know like at entry level you have a lot of women mm-hmm. but then once you know for the 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 greatest inertia is for moving up from the mid levels to the upper levels that it it becomes harder you know you know you find a lot of women in um hr um in it but to move to the higher levels i think there's a lot of um strategy uh, and finance and you know being able to be involved in critical projects and operations and often times women don't ask for these kind of opportunities um so those that kind of training to be able to stand up to speak to ask to have the confidence mm-hmm. um so th- these are all um uh, but at the same time also their basic needs need to be addressed you know there there are uh you know some at least in the us some of the companies have you know have very good child care programs or child care credits mm-hmm. um so you know, uh the, these are things that would greatly help women uh, uh and uh, fix the leaky pipeline if i get it right women at the entry level are able to work and get in after some time as they go up the ladder is there a barrier from the entry level to mid level is there much of a barrier there at at every level there there are barriers right mm-hmm. but i'm just saying that the the barriers get higher and higher as you as you go up the ladder mm-hmm. i'm i'm not saying barriers don't exist at the lower levels um they do because uh, a lot of times when women you know entry level um to mid level th- those are the child bearing years um so there it's a different set of challenges at those levels um they they're constantly juggling their household responsibilities with little kids yeah being you know having to drop kids off at school take uh, take care of uh, all the needs of the the household so the, these are things that do hold women back from uh, at those levels mm-hmm. right but then as you get more senior levels uh, probably the children are grown up it's a different set of challenges there because it it then becomes a more mentorship skills training um to get to the upper echelons so that sounds like a more of an institutional problem corporates cannot help probably with 
some of the household issues like finding child care well i mean they can't help with with household issues but they they could be things that uh, programs that could be implemented for example work life um uh, you know flexibility work mm-hmm. flexibility i mean with with covid we all know that um you know you don't physically have to be in a place um to be uh, able to contribute yeah. right so if there is some flexibility with respect to um you know working from home versus you know the number of hours you have to spend at office that that would make li- life a lot uh, easier and they mm-hmm. and more flexible for for women to handle their household responsibilities and be able to meaningfully contribute to to their work companies might not be able to help with their domestic issues but they should sh- uh, very well help with providing things like mentorship where are we on that in my career i've, mm-hmm. I've been very uh, fortunate to have had good mentors of course at that time i i could not find a female mentor mm-hmm. um, but i was fortunate to have very good male mentors but i do find that some of the companies that we uh, women up tamil nadu have been um, uh, work uh, uh, starting to work with that the mentorship um, structure is mm-hmm. is not very formalized right mm-hmm. um, so i think um, there needs to be a concerted effort to have uh, mentors both within the company and also organizations outside the you know if the company themselves cannot provide it mm-hmm. uh, then there should be a way of partnering with with other organizations to uh, help women access uh, mentors that's a very interesting point so uh, what are some of the other issues that women face institutionally and what are some of the lessons that you have in solving them well i th- i think it's the, the other issues are like the skills right mm. uh, it's not just uh, i think the the opportunity to ne- and networking i mm-hmm. mean i cannot stress how important it is all of the significant opportunities that um that i have had been fortunate with have come through networking it was during a networking event that i met some of uh, researchers from the semiconductor industry and mm. they had attended my uh, presentation and they said you know some of the research that you're doing in the nuclear industry could be applied to the semiconductor industry and they asked me are, you know are you interested it was through this networking event that i realized yeah it certainly be applied here and at that time the semiconductor industry was an up and coming industry and i realized that you know yeah i would be taking a risk but the i weighed the pros and the cons and i thought okay this is an upcoming industry and if i could apply my research here you know uh, it i could reap a lot a significant gains mm-hmm. uh, career wise one networking opportunity uh, opened many doors for me so i think an area that women need to focus on uh networking opportunities uh, uh is something that that women need to to leverage it is not as well established for women as it is for for men you know they call it the old boys network 
um, we, we don't have enough of that for, for women. And I, I think that's an area that definitely um, uh, ne- needs to be built. Um, finally, to conclude, I'd like to know from you how companies from their end can help women break the glass ceiling. In case an entrepreneur is listening, how do they help their employees, their women workforce break that glass ceiling? Yeah, I mean, I think identifying at the mid-levels that have a lot of potential and then giving them the adequate training, the um, mentorship will go a long way in moving them to the C-suite. I would like to end with uh, one uh, quote, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of coined <laughs> for Women Up Tamil Nadu. Okay. Um, I think that they need to necessarily be part of an organization, but every action, the positive action that each individual can take can impact someone's life. And that someone can impact many more people's life. And you can have a chain reaction that would ultimately help create the change that we want to create. Okay, thank you so much for joining us today, Valmi. Thank you.